At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. We got Ken Carey, managing partner at Case Capital Advisors, chief market strategy at Slatestone Wealth, and Jack Berusian, chairman of the Global Smart Commodity Group. Gentlemen, welcome. Lots to talk about. I do, I want to, if I can find it here, we got this jobs report. Okay, blah, 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 as I walk through it. But um, two things. Number one, the GDP tracker from the Atlanta Fed, this would be for the third quarter, is all the way up to 2.9%. So, you know, they're saying you can get a 3% quarter, more or less. Uh, I don't know whether that's in the market. I don't hear a lot of people talking about that. But they ought to because that's a big number. And that's going to drive the Fed crazy because the Fed's trying to destroy the economy, as stupid as that may be. But that's their basic goal, right? They want to put millions of people out of work in order to slay inflation. Dumb, dumb, dumb. But the um, the inflation tracker, it's called Inflation Nowcast from the uh, Cleveland Fed, very interesting stuff, is showing that core inflation I, I think we get the inflation port Wednesday or Thursday correct me if that's wrong you guys are closer to it than I am but this uh, inflation tracker is suggesting that core inflation is going to increase again it's going to accelerate uh, and it's going to be running around six percent that's the core inflation rate not the top line CPI so I think that too is going to promote a fear and loathing of higher uh, Federal Reserve Fed funds rate, which is going to go to, I don't know, I think it's, they're going to do 75 in November and another 75 in December. So anyway, that's my intro. Enough from me. Uh, Kenny Polcari, what's your take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in the stock market? <laughs> Listen, I think, you, and you hit all the points, right? Those are all the concerns. I, too, was not necessarily surprised by uh, Friday's NFP report, you know, coming in line, I was surprised that unemployment dropped. But you know, more people dropped out of the out of the uh, out of the sector. I think fifty-seven thousand people or something dropped out, right? Um, but we're in this position where the Fed is backed into a corner. They've made it quite clear. We heard it from you know another eight or nine Fed officials again this week that inflation is their target, and their only tool is to raise is to raise rates to try to combat it, right? Because the administration is not going to help by backing off on on all the spending and all the stimulus, they're going to keep barreling ahead. So the Fed has been put in this position to have to try to uh, bring it down and bring it down by raising rates, right? You and I both agree. They waited way too long. They should have started way back in 2021 because then they could have been maybe a little bit gentler. But now they got their back against the wall. They should have done one full percent back in the spring the way you and I also thought they didn't. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. now they're jammed into doing this and creating a little bit more, I think, panic in the market, which is, you know, which is what we saw last week. We saw that huge rally on Monday and Tuesday, which didn't make a lot of sense based on the fact that everyone was running with the story the Fed was going to pivot when they weren't going to pivot at all. And then at the end of the week, it becomes clear they're not going to pivot. 
um, and they take it all back, right? Yes, indeed. I want to – here's a – before I get to Jack Bruggen, I found my notes. The inflation now casting – this is very interesting from the Cleveland Fed. They also produced the median median CPI, uh, which is all the way up to 6.7%. That's the the median, the 50% mark. So in other words, it's not just energy. It's not just groceries. This is the whole – uh, middle of the index. But, um, Jack, you're going to get a number. I think it's Thursday the CPI comes out. So the forecast from the Cleveland Fed is that the core, this is the core CPI, will be 6.6%. Now, the overall CPI, according to the Cleveland Fed, will be 82 So you're not going to get any relief on the top line. And the core is going to pick up again, and this time it'll be 6.6%. And by the way, on the PCE, which the Fed looks at, personal consumption expenditures deflator, they're looking at a 6.2, and the core is 5.1. The Fed's target is 2. So they're going to be running three to four times the Fed's target. And if these numbers come in close, uh, Jack Bruggen, I think you got a problem, and I want to reiterate the the Atlanta Fed GDP tracker for Q3, uh, which won't come out for a couple of weeks. It comes out the last week of October, but they're looking at 2.9. Uh, it's largely because of improving trade and inventories. So I will posit to you, Mr. Bruggen, that these numbers will spook the market because the Fed will have to be uh, every bit as tough as Ken Polcari is suggesting. Without question, Larry. And and in fact, you know, I've got a feeling they might have to be a little bit more aggressive than all of us actually think. Uh, you know, the, the Fed has always had a, a habit of overshooting, whether it's to the upside or to the downside. And the other thing that we've got to keep in mind is that it takes six eight, nine months for a lot of these Fed actions to work their way into the economy. Um, We are not seeing the numbers yet that that the Fed wants to see because, quite frankly, they haven't worked their way in. But when you look at certain commodity markets, and I'll give you two right now that I pay attention to very closely. Look at lumber and look at copper. Lumber has crashed. Mm -hmm. Lumber has gone from 1900 to under 500. Mm. It's now at 435, 450. Last I checked, I believe yesterday, the copper market is down 30% off of its highs. Mm. These are markets that if you were to look at them as standalone markets are in bear market territory. Mm. Now, I bring that up because those are going to be the numbers that we end up seeing in another three, four, or five months. See, and the problem is, and, and both you and Kenny have been spot on with this, the Fed has been so late and so behind the eight ball with this that they are now trying to play catch-up, and it's almost desperation mode. If they were to pivot right now, they would lose credibility on the global stage. We all know that. So when the Fed comes out and says what they are saying, all of us have to take that as gospel right now. You know, we have to also pay attention to the fact that it's creating king dollar again, Larry. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's going to be a headwind for corporate earnings. So we're going to see revisions and we've got a PE on the market. That's probably way too high right now. You know, I, I didn't mean to interrupt by the way, but you're absolutely right. Um, uh, the dollar is uh, earnings are going to be continuously marked lower. That's coming. We haven't seen much of that, a little bit, but not much. 
but much more is coming. You're right about the lags between policy decisions and the actual economic impact. You're 100% right on that. Um, the other thing that's a little bit complicating is oil prices are creeping back up. They're not going to, I don't know that they'll get back to 125, but uh, West Texas is 92 and a half bucks. Brent crude is almost back to 100, 98 and a quarter, uh, I guess because of what OPEC has done and because of what our dump, Dumbos are doing. Uh, they're going to cut, they want to, now they want to cut off exports and they want to stop drilling in the uh, federal offshore. So nothing gets any stupider than that. But I mean, the thing is, um, I don't understand. Ken Bocari, all three of us have been around a long time. Uh, none of yeah. us are actually on Wall Street right now. We're, we're really kind of independents, which is a good thing. I don't know where this garbage comes from that Wall Street firms keep talking about the Fed's going to pivot, you know, to a less restrictive policy. Where does that crap come from? You know, somebody ought to take they ought to no, they ought to go before the Federal Trade Commission or some damn. I mean, it's just wrong. There's no hint of that. It's mind boggling to me that 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 could be coming out of, uh, you know, some of the big banks on Wall Street. Look, I think maybe on Monday or I think maybe it got some traction when the Bank of England pivoted after they had that chaos in the guilt and currency markets created by the new prime minister and the chancellor of the exchequer. Right. Then the, the Reserve Bank of Australia suddenly went 25 basis points versus the 50 that everyone expected. So suddenly there was this conversation. Oh, wow. Look at these other global central banks pulling back. That must mean the Fed's going to pivot, which makes no sense to me because I don't remember the Fed or the United States being pulled around by the nose by some of these other central banks around the world. In fact, I think it's actually the other way, right, where the Fed really controls that conversation and the other central banks react to what the Fed does versus vice versa. But I think it got way out of control on Monday and Tuesday because that was the narrative. Yeah. And it was mind-boggling to me. They had a shake. Look, you saw it on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Jay Powell sent every single Fed member up to try to counter that argument, and they did. And then you saw the market. You know, the reality is that uh, the market is overpriced, like Jack just said, right? And you just said it. We're going to start to say Kenny, the other thing is, and, and this is important to keep in mind, is that the average age of the portfolio manager on Wall Street yeah. now is around 31, 32 years old. <laughs> they have Bingo. never seen a market where the Bingo. Fed is raising rates. They have no idea what they are looking at, and they think that every downturn is a buying opportunity because that's all they've ever seen or witnessed. Uh, by the way, this is where gray hair comes in. It's really, really valuable, right? Having gray hair. By the way, it, it is a good point. But what's the average age of the participants in this segment? If it's under 60, I'd be surprised. How about that? No, it's not under 60. Well, I don't think it's under, it's under I, I don't know, but you can, I'm, I myself am bringing it up well over 60. But it is true. It's a good point, though. Uh, they've right. lived through this long, long period, except for the, uh, you know, the 2008 situation. But the reality is you do. You buy the dips. Now, look, I'm stocks for the long run. I've always right. been that way. But if you're going to play the trading game, you have to understand that bear markets come and go. And this thing could be could be very uh, difficult. And I just want to I, I got to take a break. But I just want to say Liz Truss, the prime minister, the new prime minister of Britain is absolutely right. And the, uh, all these left-wing media outlets, I'm not going to name names, it's not my network, but it's others, uh, piling on, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, she's cutting tax rates. 
to the tune of $2 billion, which pales in comparison to what they've all been spending. She's a Thatcherite and a Reaganite and a Trumpster, and she has the right idea. And all the rhino wet Tories in her party have the wrong idea. And if if she'd follow through and she still has corporate tax cuts and payroll tax cuts, uh, the pound will not become the ounce. It will become the pound again. And uh, we'll all live happily ever after. She is right to go on the supply side. We need supply side policies in this country so the Fed doesn't have to ruin the economy to deal with inflation. Kenny, let me ask you this. There's been some talk. I mean, this is more realistic than the Fed is going to turn back easy. But um, with the dollar strong, as Jack mentioned, and, you know, you've got the Fed raising its target rate, tightening money markets, uh, cutting back on the money supply, et cetera, et cetera. Um, dead bodies, financial dead bodies. You know, I'm thinking about going back Fannie and Freddie and Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers and things of that sort. Um, some people are saying the only thing that'll stop the fed, uh, and they're going to be, and you guys are right. I mean, 75 or they may have to do a percentage point in November, but what would stop the fed is uh, some kind of financial dead bodies. My question is, do you see anything out there? Do you hear anything about that? Well, I think the one that we certainly, that, 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 uh, uh, had the airwaves really hot last week was the Credit Suisse one, yeah, right? But yeah. Credit Suisse has been one of those firms that every year Credit Suisse always seems to come up as having a problem, and they always seem to skate through. I don't necessarily see that problem right now in any of the big U.S. banks. I think they're very well capitalized. But my fear is if you had, and I think that's the, I think that is really the fear of a lot of people, is if you see a firm like Credit Suisse go down, then it drags all the other, like the contagion, everyone else that's connected, the same way Lehman did mm. um, when they let it go, right? Everyone that got affected, and that's clearly the the uh, the issue. I don't see it, though, right? As much as I think Credit Suisse has its own problems, I think um, it will survive, whether or not, you know, whether or not the Swiss government comes in and, and, and supports them or whatever. But I don't think that's going to drag anyone down. So at the moment, I don't see it. I'm not worried Cre- about that. Credit Suisse, I love the Credit Suisse story. Uh, Credit Suisse has been underwater. I don't, I'm not going to say yeah. bankrupt, but they've been underwater for years. They just won't <laughs> fess up. As long up. as I know. Right. <laughs> this is one of these long playing records. It's kind of like Citibank. Citibank's been rescued by the federal government, I don't know, five or six times in the last three decades. But we somehow right. muddle along. But I will ask it, Jack Perugian, do you hear any dead body talk yourself? Well, you know, you're 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 in the right part of the world. I, you know, as I was a former president of the Division of Commerce Bank, and you're right. Uh, you know, these banks have been in trouble forever for the last thirty years. But the reality is is that now they've got a huge problem, especially with energy. You know, these European banks have got a lot of exposure, and not only that, but a lot of who is holding their paper uh, mm. are these are these large sovereign wealth funds, which, by the way, are mm. controlled by the by the Saudis, by the Chinese and some by the Russians. Mm. So so it's a very, very delicate situation. One of the things that I have been saying is that there's a very good chance we'll see the markets go down with the thermostat in Europe. So let's pay very right. close attention to that. And and the other thing is, remember, when rates move as fast as they have, it, they create ancillary problems that w- are not present. But we will find them out and we will feel them. Pay attention to those credit spreads. They're probably the first things that will give us an indication that something's happening. Already the 10-year notes in some of these European countries are showing us some stress. So I, I think both you and Kenny are spot on. It, it's one of those things that's going to pop out of nowhere. 
nowhere and it's going to hit the market. And then when we start to see credit start to seize a little bit, you'll see that pivot take place. Yeah, that's a good point. And you're right. The spreads. Um, I do track the uh, Merrill Lynch high yield spread. It, I mean, it's widened 150 basis points or so. It's not a disaster. But, um, Kenny, the other last one is some pension funds. Um, could be state pension funds, could be private pension yeah. funds that might have bet wrong on interest rates and stocks. Is there a risk yeah. there? I think there is risk there, right? And you'll start to see that, I think, as it gets as the pressure builds right over the next two or three uh, strike uh, uh, FOMC meetings, right, as they start to raise rates. I'm not necessarily sure that it's going to be the disaster that we saw back during the crisis. But I do think there's going to be some pressure. I mean, that was part of the story that happened over in, in London, right? That the, all of a sudden, all those pensioners were going to, those pension funds were going to come under pressure. Um, and I think potentially could that happen here? Yes, but I'm not necessarily so sure that uh, that we don't have it under control, right? I do think that while the, a lot of portfolio managers are only in their mid-30s and they haven't really lived through anything, I do think, though, there's enough guidance that um uh you know if they bet wrong on interest rates now after all the after all the news after all the mm. you know the, the the conversation and the narrative um then i guess they deserve what they get but if they've been paying attention they should be okay i'll tell you what though on this point um so the s p 500 the broad index is down 23.6 percent year to date so it's bear market territory uh there are 58 percent According to Gallup, of Americans who are in the stock market, it's at least 125 million people. They're the ones that are going to have trouble as we go forward and real wages keep slipping down. Anyway, gentlemen, out of time. Kenny Polcari, Jack Perusian, you're both terrific. 